Awesome. Well, it is great to watch and hear Ashley's story. Um, what, a, what an incredible thing to hear, her journey of following Christ and his continued work in her today. And I think that's a phenomenal way to engage Christmas together, to show and see the work of Christ in and through us, because uh, it's one of the reasons why he came, so that we could find life in him. Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne. I am the pastor here at Downtown Community. Uh, Merry Christmas. It is awesome to be celebrating Christmas with you. As Daniel just mentioned a little bit ago, you know, this is our uh, Sunday before Christmas. And for me, it's an exciting week. My wife and I, we have three kids. And so the energy is building as we get closer and closer to Christmas. My kids are also excited. Um, yep. If we had a live audience like we usually would, maybe you guys would laugh at that. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> anyway, it is awesome to be with you today as we continue to engage Christmas together. And there are three exciting things that I want you to know about before I jump into our conversation and our third symbol of Christmas that we're going to go into. But one is um, we have a free gift for you. If you are a first-time guest, we are giving you this awesome book called Hidden Christmas. And so if you're a first-time guest, we want you to click Connect. Use the Connect links that you see. Um, we'll post a button for you in our chat window. Um, but we would love for you uh, to, to have this, free, this uh, free book. We'll mail this to you this week. And so uh, that's one thing for you. Also, if you're a first-time guest or if you have brought a first-time guest to be with us online here from Jersey City, that's a, a key parameter for us, um, is uh, we are giving away free tickets today to uh, Nimbus's uh, Nutcracker performance that's happening tonight. It's a here in Jersey City. They're doing Nutcracker, the movie. They do the Nutcracker every year, the Nimbus Ballet and here in Jersey City, and we want to encourage all of you all to go and be part of that. It's happening at 5 p.m. today, but if you are a first-time guest or if you've also brought one with you today, we want to give you those tickets. So you've got to let us know. So you, you, you let us know by clicking the Connect button so we can verify with you and send that over to you. So that's happening today. And then the third, actually, there's four things. I'm sorry. Uh, the one third exciting thing is happening. Our last service of the year is happening Thursday. We are not having another Sunday service here. Our last service is Christmas Eve, Thursday evening at 6 p.m. We want you to join us. Uh, we will be online together, and we'll be celebrating Christmas, and we want you to be part of that. Bring your family wherever you may be. Um, if you're here in the city, many of us are here in the city um, this Christmas season. Uh, we want to come together as family and celebrate uh, the night before Christmas. So that's going to happen at 6 p.m. Um, but also happening today, and this is related to Christmas Eve, is today, we're very excited about this. We are, uh, we are debuting our online, our virtual lobby. Normally when we're in person, uh, we, you come in and we have a lobby and we gather beforehand and then we gather on our way out. Well, today we're going to open up for the first time our virtual lobby. And so at the end of the service, we're going to give you a link and uh, it's using an awesome new platform called Kumo Space. And we're going to give you a link, and you just go, and you show up to our lobby. And uh, it, it looks like what you see is this kind of cool room, and you'll have a little video screen. And you can use any device, but we're told that desktops and laptops work the best. 
and we want you just to navigate and, and on your way out, so to speak, come and say hello to one another. You can uh, go around the room, sit in a chair, and talk with one another just like you would in real life. It's a really fun experience. We want you to join us today. And then on Christmas Eve, we want you to join us before and after the service. We're going to gather and be family together and have fun and talk together. So uh, don't forget about that on your way out today. Join us for a little bit in our lobby. Well, today, as I mentioned, we're going to continue our conversation around Christmas. And we have been walking through the four symbols of Christmas. And it is such a great privilege every single year to walk through the Christmas story. And for me, I get to reflect on it every season. And someone might say, well, does that get old for you because you're doing the same thing? You know, we're talking about Christmas every year, but it doesn't because of how deep and how rich the Christmas story is and how much hope and meaning it brings to our lives. And so one of my things that I want to encourage you to do is to help guide you in, in this and really understanding deeply um, what Christmas is about. So that's why we're talking about the four symbols that we have of Christmas. We have Santa, which represents gifts and a God who loves to give to you. And we have the symbol of banquet and feasting and how celebrating and life has come because of Jesus. And then uh, we, we, today we're going to celebrate the third symbol, which is light. And each one of these symbols connects us to a deeper hope. Because right now, in this world, many of us are saying, I need something to bring me joy, to bring me happiness. And so I want you to know that you have this. And I want to encourage you to go into this Christmas story and reflect on these deeper truths that are deeper hopes that you can have, no matter the circumstances. In 2020, for many, more than ever, we are longing for the messages of Christmas to be true. And so today we're going to talk about light and darkness. The story of Christmas really is a story of miracles. You'll see this. God, God is visibly at work in us. And, through, and you see this. God is visibly through the, the Christmas story. He is at work. And you see supernatural events of miracles because it's God there. And if it really is God working in us that, and, and, and showing up on earth, that means that God exists, that He is who He says He is, and that means that we have meaning and hope, and that's important. But also in the Christmas story, it is strongly rooted in historical accuracy. This is something I think a lot of people miss, is that it is a true account, and it is rooted in historical accuracy. It's detailed, and it's written, and it's eyewitness accounts. As you'll see, we're going to walk through this a little bit, but it's undeniable. And you need to give it all your intellectual interest. If you're someone who's pursuing faith or not a follower of Christ, or even if you are a follower of Christ, this is important that, that you can put all of your intellectual interest. And what's amazing is the Christmas story doesn't just start there. It, it began with prophecies before, somewhere hundreds of years before, that were fulfilled in detail. And then you see Jesus' life and the results of his resurrection from the grave. And the subsequent church and what happened there, as Jesus said, it would take off and happen. These things are impossible to prove wrong if you try. It's amazing. It's one of the, the reasons why we believe. And so the Christmas story really begins hundreds of years before, and we have a prophecy from Isaiah. And here's what he says. Of what happens when Jesus is born. It says here in Isaiah 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of deep darkness, light has dawned. This prophecy that light was coming, a light was coming into darkness. And it says, those living in the land of deep darkness, meaning Jesus came into a place that was very dark. I want to read you from Matthew's account of Jesus' birth and the events happening afterwards. It's amazing what began to happen. You can see the darkness that existed in this world. It says this, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, a real king who was in place, he says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, and they're asking all of Jerusalem, he says, Where is the one who has been born the king of Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. So we have the wise men who traveled in from the east following a star. And here's the thing about the wise men is there was not a number given. We don't know how many there were. And, and, and we know that they were not kings. It does not say that they are kings. So uh, that song, you can, it's fun to sing, but uh, there's not three. Uh, we don't know. Maybe there were three, but I, I don't know. We don't know the number, and they weren't kings. But they were magi or magicians or astrologers. It's possibly Zoroastrian wise men from Persia, whoever they are. This is what I've been reading. Because these specific wise men in Persia had a very good knowledge of Hebrew scriptures and would have been interested in all these things. And they arrive here, and they're asking all around Jerusalem, like, where is this king of the Jews? And so people are kind of getting riled up because this is speaking about prophecies. And the king Herod, who's a very jealous king, is very, you know, disturbed. And he's not someone that you want to be disturbed. See, Herod here, this is Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the first of several important rulers from the Herodian dynasty. He's an actual king in history. The dates perfectly line up. These are great, detailed historical accounts. We have them in their full text, each one of the written accounts of Jesus' life, which is more than almost every other historical document of this time. Herod ruled from 37 to 4 B.C. As you know, the numbers go down in getting to 0 in B.C. So he ruled from 37 to 4 B.C. And 4 B.C. was right around the time of Jesus was born. Herod loved opulence. And he had massive grand building projects. A lot of the ruins and artifacts that you see in Jerusalem today are, are from some of the buildings and things that Herod was involved in building. But he was also a horrible person. He was a horrible person, treating people bad and, and lots of death around him many times that he created. And we'll see this here. So it says here, it continues in Matthew, when he had called together all the prophets, excuse me, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. They did not know where Mary was. They did not know where Joseph was. He's like, where, where, where is this Messiah? So he's asking them, the prophets, the Hebrew prophets were like, where in scriptures have you seen this? What is predicted about this? And what they say, what would they say? They say, in Bethlehem, in Judea, they reply. For this is what the prophet has written. 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is something they had been looking for and longing for. And they knew. They said, this baby's in Bethlehem. And guess what? That is exactly where Jesus was. But they didn't know exactly where he was. Isn't this amazing? How do they know that? It was a prophecy. It's incredible. It was all fulfilled. So then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And so they're following the star. And at one point, the people, you know, they were speculating that this were planets coming together, which people have been talking about it's going to happen this week. I don't know if you've heard that in the news. But, but we believe that this is really something that God had specifically sent, unique to this time for them to follow. And he, he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And you can imagine any kind of evil guy in a movie or something like, Yeah, so I too may go and worship him. Like, you know, like he's scratching his chin. Yes, yes, bring him to me. And so that's kind of what it sounds like he would, he would say. But anyway... So as after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This is God visibly at work. They're excited. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here we see it. Light has dawned in the land of deep darkness. Light is here. Jesus has come. Jesus is born. But darkness is still there amongst them and around. It didn't just suddenly go out. Darkness is there. So it continues here. It says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So it says, Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled that what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my Son. And Herod died not too long after this. He, Herod didn't know it, but he was at the end of his life. But before he died and while they fled, all this is happening. And can you imagine the constant disruption for Mary and Joseph? If you've been reading with the Christmas story with us, you know that they had to travel to this town of David for a census that was taken and they got, as she was ready to give birth. And so, you know, she's not around the normal people and the midwives and others that would have been helpful to her. There were no rooms and inns or anywhere. There, were, there was possibly family around that shunned them because of her being pregnant before being married and all this circumstances. It was hard for them, constant disruption. Yet in the middle of this, a light has dawned. And so it continues, before Herod died and before all that, and while they're fleeing, it says that Herod, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and, young, and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. 
I've heard it said that it's estimated to be around 30 boys that would have been killed in this small little town in the area. Could have been more. And in all the atrocities that Herod and his sons committed, this was just a drop in the bucket. How evil and dark is this ruler? So it continues, it says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so Herod the Great has died. And so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And so Joseph gets back, and now uh, Herod's son Archelaus is, is, is reigning. And so Herod's kingdom, we know, that was divided in three ways. It was given to three of his sons. He had several. So Archelaus was one of them. Herod, Herod Philip II was another. And Herod Antipas was the third. And Herod Antipas was a part a lot of the Scripture story as Jesus' life um, continues. But Archelaus ruled over this specific region that they returned to. And what's interesting is that he was so brutal and ineffective that Rome deposed of him quickly. And they replaced him with Pontius Pilate as the governor over Judea in this, this specific area. So this guy did not last long. But Joseph wanted, he's like, there's no way we're going there. And so having been, it continues here in the scriptures, it says, Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And again, another prophecy was fulfilled. It says, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And this is where Joseph and Mary and their family settled and where Jesus grew up. This land that Jesus came in was very dark. It didn't fully feel like light had dawned. We imagine that light... And following God should just be, be light, right? There should be no darkness. That shouldn't be God's will and plan when we go through hardship and when things aren't, aren't the way that they seemed and our dreams didn't work out and all everything else that could happen. And, and we know that that's not true, that darkness is still there, that God still has a plan for us to be in this dark world. It didn't just all like instantly magically disappear. That's not how God's worked. It wasn't His will and His plan. But light was there. And then when Jesus begins his public ministry, here is, 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 what G, is, what, excuse me, is what Matthew says about it, what he records. This is right as Jesus was beginning his public ministry. This is many years later. It says, leaving Nazareth, Jesus went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. This is something that Isaiah also prophesied about. It's quoting Isaiah. Isaiah 9, chapter 1, which we've made all the chapters, but anyway. Land of the Zebulun and land of the Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, which that phrase, Galilee of the Gentiles, that area was still known for as that even then when Jesus was born. It says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Matthew says, Jesus began to preach. Matthew's like, hey, Jesus is starting his ministry. Light has dawned. It's here. Jesus is that light. Listen to who Jesus is. 
John, in his written accounts of Jesus' life, says this. He says, in the beginning was the Word. This is referring specifically to Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Listen to what Jesus declares about himself. John records this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. I am the light of the world. In this light, we have now, Jesus is this gift to us that we can have no matter the circumstances Jesus was crucified and buried, and then he rose. He was resurrected, proving he was the Son of God by defeating death, and his resurrection turned all his followers upside down, ignited them, and the church came out of that. And then Jesus went, ascended back into heaven. These are all core essential beliefs of what we believe, and he sent us out. But even after his resurrection, after Jesus ascended into heaven, John, who's writing all this, saw a tremendous amount of darkness. God had empowered us to be his ambassadors and to go throughout the world and let people know that they have a light. His will and his plan was not done yet. This dark world needed to know everywhere that he is this light. And the same is true for you and me today. And John wrote this toward his gospel towards the end of his life when he wrote, the light has dawned and his darkness has not overcome it, but he saw a tremendous amount of darkness. He watched the city of Jerusalem be destroyed, completely destroyed. Walls torn down. He watched his friends die, many of them for their faith in Jesus. But John was unwavering, and after seeing all of that, he knew that light had dawned because he had seen it. He knew that he had hope beyond any circumstances, but he saw the Son of God in front of him. He's like, I want you to know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is here. That gives us hope in all things, that even in death, death is not the end, that we always have hope. And that is what light is it lights up the darkness. John had seen death defeated, and suddenly everything had changed when that happened, when Christ rose from the grave, and they had hope no matter what they saw. John's hopes were not in the circumstances of the world around him. His hope was in the assurance that he had in Christ. He knew that God exists, that God loves us, and that the world needed to know this and believe. This is what the Christmas story is to you and to me, that God exists. 
He's here. He's with us. God loves you, and you can know and believe. That's the Christmas story. You can have that light now. It's here in 2020. In 2021, when everything becomes magical again, (laughs) you can have that light now. It's here. Christ follower, is Jesus in you? And quit living as if the darkness has defined you. Light has dawned. It has not been overcome by darkness, and it will not. You have the light of the world, and the world needs to see that light in you. You can have this light. You can be this light. In downtown community church, we can be this light. Paul says it this way. He says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So at the end of 2020, I want to encourage you to pursue this light. If you've never followed Christ, you are invited into a journey in the pursuit of Him. It's why I encourage you to read this book. If you want this book, just let me know. Christ follower, our hope is in Christ, not our circumstances. How can we pursue Him as the center I want you to reflect on these four symbols of Christmas because they are tied to a deeper hope. Light represents the hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. The light that we have in you. I pray today that we would reflect and live in this light no matter what may come. We thank you of what we can know firmly, without a doubt. We give the rest of this time to you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.